All right. So if you'd like to state your full name. William Harry Kitely. So when and where were you born? I was born in uh, Palmerston, Ontario. And uh, uh, March 20th, 1944, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, knew, I knew that because you just gave me your birthday today. <laughs> I moved to Sault Ste. Marie uh, in 1964 from Toronto. I came here by myself. I, I actually didn't know where Sault Ste. Marie was, <laughs> like most people in Toronto. Eh? Yeah. So why Sault Ste. Marie? Why Sault Ste. Marie? It's just a job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it might be interesting to tell a bit of your, your background about where you did your internship and, and that. I worked in Elmira. Mm -hmm. I, I was a student in Elmira. Then I uh, moved to Toronto. And uh, then I came to the Sioux. Mm -hmm. And why did you decide to become a funeral director? When? Why? Why? I don't. I don't really know. Um, I kind of always wanted to be a funeral director. I don't know why. My mm -hmm. mother can never figure it out either. <laughs> um, so it wasn't a family thing. No, nobody okay. in my family was in the funeral business. I just, I just was kind of attracted to it, mm -hmm. you know, through uh, through funerals in our family. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I kind of knew early on that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So. And so when you first came to uh, the Sioux, you started at the Barton Funeral Home. Yeah, I came to work for Mr. Barton. Mm -hmm. I, I worked for him for eight years. Mm -hmm. um, then I bought the business. Then I bought his business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. But what did he tell you when? Oh. That's the best. When he interviewed me, like I, I guess I should go back. My cousin was the uh, register for for the funeral business. So if mm -hmm. you wanted a job, you went to him, mm -hmm. and if you were looking for somebody, you went to him, and he kind of cross. So he knew that I was interested in, you know, moving. Mm -hmm. So he just, he phoned me one day and said there was a, <clears throat> a job in Sault Ste. Marie um, with Mr. Barton. He said, I don't know anything about him other than he's never been able to keep a licensed funeral director for more than two years. But I don't know why. So. And I soon found out why. But, yeah, he was a very, he was a great guy, but he was very, um, when he wanted something done, he wanted it done, like, now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was fine with me. And, uh, you know, I was single, so I, I spent a lot of time, he lived over the funeral home, mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of time with his family there because they didn't know anybody else. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was a great guy, just uh, very old-fashioned, uh, but uh, heart of gold. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be, wouldn't have been able to buy the business. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he told me when he interviewed me, he said, uh, now if I like you, 
and you like me, uh, when I come to sell my business, you'll be the first one in line to buy it. And I don't ever want to talk about it until that day again. <laughs> and, he, and he never did. I, I came down one morning to work and uh, he said, do you know what we talked about eight years ago? And I said, yeah. He said, well, today's the day. You've got three months to, to do it. And this is the price. It's not negotiable. But that's the way it was, so that didn't surprise me. You know? Yeah, but I could have understand. I could understand why some people would have trouble with that. Mm -hmm. You know, he was very impulsive. Eh? Mm -hmm. If he wanted to, if uh, if I was in, a, in a, well, say if I was in the middle of embalming somebody, mm -hmm. he'd come in and he'd say, uh, "I want to go to the island," which meant I want to go to the island right now. So, it was fine with me, I had nothing else to do. So, yeah, so, yeah, um, but he was a great guy. And now when you um, bought his business, did that include the one on the island, or did his no. brother own more of that one? No, they closed the island business oh, okay. or way before that. So, yeah, and it was just the one in town. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the island business was more uh, when he was overseas, like during the war. Yeah. And his brother, his brother Tom, kind of ran things. Mm -hmm. But really, after that, the, when he bought the place in the Sioux, the island kind of disappeared. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else have we got here? And now, when you uh, had purchased the home, um, was it still common for um, like the funeral directors and their families to live in the home? Because you mentioned yes. when you started, yeah. Yeah. So did you move into the home? No. No. Okay. Yeah, uh, I promised my wife we would never live in the funeral home. Okay. No, we live beside it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is different. Now Leonard, <clears throat> he lived over the funeral home all his okay. life. Mm -hmm. And we moved him next door, um, I think it was three months, eh? And we moved him back. He said it was too far away. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he used to sit down by the front door every night, whether there was anything going on or not, you know, which I thought was odd, but that was the way he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, who was working with you at the funeral home when you took over? Nobody. Nobody? It was just you? It's me and okay. my wife. Yeah. For three years. Okay. Yeah. So, I basically was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. so. Just what you had to do. I never yeah. even thought anything about it, eh? Yeah. That's what you had to do. Mm -hmm. Leonard <clears throat> stayed on, but he really, he really wasn't interested in mm -hmm. getting involved in the funeral. Yeah. I would call him in uh, when we had an island funeral and ask mm -hmm. him if he wanted to go down to the island, you know, for any, every now and then he would do that, but uh, he never really wanted to be involved after he sold. Okay. Yeah. 
And that's kind of the way it was too, just object yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. He was a he was a very interesting fellow. He uh, um, he was old fashioned mm -hmm. and he used to complain that Jim Arthur was a big business in town. <clears throat> and he used to uh, say, well, you know, Jim buys his business, you know, and pays off people, which was not true. <laughs> but that's what Leonard thought. But uh, Leonard really never wanted to change anything. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> he didn't go anywhere. Like, he, he's, he, I, I can't remember, maybe he, two weeks he might have been the longest he was ever away. Mm -hmm. And he was away once and uh, I decided to uh, foolishly change some things when he was away. And uh, he uh, came back, didn't say anything for about a week, I guess. And then he said to me, uh, I uh, hear that you changed some things when I was away. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, do you know who signs your check on Friday? <laughs> I said, okay, gotcha. <laughs> you need to say no more. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, he just didn't like change. Hey? Yeah. Now, when I bought the place, I made lots of changes, mm -hmm. but and, and he didn't, I'm sure he probably didn't like some of them, but he never ever ever said anything, mm -hmm. you know? Never interfered with me, uh, uh, and he held a mortgage for the business, so mm -hmm. he had every right to, you know, interfere if he wanted to, but mm -hmm. he never did. Uh, we had a great relationship. Uh, never ever had words with him. Ever, and mm -hmm. all the time I worked for him and uh, and after, yeah, yeah and uh, not too many people you can say that about, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. It's because they were afraid of him. Okay. <laughs> he wouldn't have words with him. I was afraid of him. Well, <laughs> yeah, he until I got yeah. to know him. Well, he was very oh. uh, stoic, eh? Yeah. Yeah, Always wear a black suit, mm -hmm. white shirt. I, you know, I used to say to him, Leonard, like, uh, when you buy a new suit, you should maybe change the color because <laughs> nobody knows you got a new suit. But uh, yeah, he was like that. He just, uh, he was very uh, stoic, I would, yeah. would say. And, and I think a lot of people were afraid, well, not afraid of him, but... He was, yeah, he, he was seemed to be unapproachable, Yeah. but he was such a... He had a funny sense of humor. Such a pussycat. Yeah, As a, to give you an idea of his humor, he, uh, we were working one Sunday afternoon, and it was a visitation, and this young girl came up and dressed in shorts, and mm -hmm. come up to the front door, and she would leave, and then go... So finally she came in to the funeral and said uh, to Leonard, uh, is there more than one way of getting out of here? And he said, uh, yes, 
you can either walk or we'll carry you. <laughs> and she just bolted out of there. And he turned to me and he said, that young girl has no sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was, uh, yeah, people were, well, yeah, you were not afraid of him, but just afraid to approach him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was unfortunate because he was very approachable. Yeah. 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 For sure. And he called him Mr. Barton. Yeah. And he would say, just call me Leonard. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, how am I supposed to call this man that's 80 years old and I'm just like 25? And it's like, you, you know, there's. You put him on a pedestal as Mr. Yeah, yeah, I always just say, just call, call me Leonard. Leonard. <laughs> okay. Introduce him as Mr. Barton. Yeah. No, just call me Leonard. <laughs> what else is here? So I read that uh, you had a beautiful antique collection displayed uh, for the public. Um, now, was that there when you uh, took it over, or no. that was all you? It was my wife. Well, yeah. my wife. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we just collected stuff, mm -hmm. <coughs> and uh, nothing uh, like nothing in particular. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we had some nice stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it fit into the the funeral home, eh? Because mm -hmm. an old house, eh? Yeah. 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 So we. Be in southern Ontario and see something, just pick it up and bring it home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so you and Mr. Uh, Linklater decided to jointly purchase and merge um, sort of uh, uh, the Barton Kitey Funeral Home and also Arthur Funeral yeah. Home. Um, so, why did you decide to do that and uh, form the Rossu Investments? Well, <coughs> I had approached uh, Jim Arthur maybe five years before that mm -hmm. because I heard he was, uh, well actually he approached me and he said, uh, uh, I, I heard rumors that you were thinking of leaving town and he said, uh, don't ever leave town till you talk to me. And that's all he said. He didn't say like, you know, come and work for me or, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, he, uh, when he decided to sell, he came to me and said, uh, I'm going to sell. And uh, I, the two guys, like um, Bob Elliott and Chuck McLeod, who worked for him for mm -hmm. years, eh? he said, uh, I have to offer it to them, but I don't think, I don't think they're interested. They're too old. Eh? Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out Chuck. McLeod bought it, yeah. and that's who we bought it from, eventually, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just the way it worked out. <coughs> he, uh, but that's the way he was. Eh? Like mm -hmm. he wouldn't undersell it to somebody else, mm -hmm. and uh, he thought, oh, I don't think those guys are probably interested, but I, I've got to ask them anyway. So. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, I I learned over the years that you never close the door, right? Mm -hmm. Keep the door open, and uh, eventually, you eventually ended up buying it. Mm 
And then just a little while after that, um, the uh, Lowen group yeah. um, sort of took over. So how did that sort of change when this out-of-town company sort of took over? Well, it didn't change. Bob went out west. Mm -hmm. That's where they were, the head office was. So he went out west. I stayed back. And uh, I, I never really, like, I when the lawn group bought a place, they would always want the owner to manage it, eh? Okay. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I said to him, like, why would I do that? Like, why would I take orders from you? Mm -hmm. You know, I'll work for you, but I'm not going to be in any, you know, position of saying I have to do this or I have to do that. And they were they were fine with that. They were uh, there wasn't any big changes right away. Mm -hmm. um, they're corporate. They're, you know, they're they're a big company. Yeah. I think we were the 80th funeral home that they bought in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, but they never really interfered too much, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because. Part of the deal when I <coughs> when I sold uh, was uh, that I didn't want any part of management, mm -hmm. so I, I was more uh, I, I don't like Reta the word yeah. retainer. Eh? Like you were a retainer, you were the yeah. I, you I were. Like, uh, I guess I was a consultant. I don't like that word, but yeah, and. Uh, but, but really, they never really uh, asked me much about what I thought, mm -hmm. which is fine, yeah. you know. When you sell your business, you sell your business, so yeah. you can't expect to sell your business and then still, mm -hmm. you know, tell people what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's, it's worked out, it worked out well for me because... Uh, well, I'm still there. Yeah. So. He's our advisor. Oh, yeah. okay. He was an advisor to us, and he's an advisor to corporate. Because if something wasn't sitting right in Sault Ste. Yeah, Marie, I would, you would let them know. Yeah. Whether they agreed with me or not. Exactly. <laughs> you know. But I, I always had a good working relationship with the general managers, and uh, so I could write them a letter or call them up and say, you know, I don't think this is right or that's right. Mm -hmm. And but it, you know, realizing that the final decision was up to them, mm -hmm. not up to me, yeah. and uh, it worked out well, you know, for me, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I wanted no part of uh, management. Eh? Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what other changes were happening to the funeral home sort of after 1992? Because that's sort of when the written history sort of ended. Um, uh, like, uh, like when did? Sort of, it changed to become the Arthur Funeral Home and the Barton Kitely Chapel. 
Yeah, well, when we decided to close <coughs> close the Barton and Kiteley business, mm -hmm. uh, we just moved the name the name over to. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really is the only change. Okay. Yeah. And now, how, is the uh, loan groups are they still sort of in charge, no. or did other no companies a, a company by the name of uh, SCI bought it? Okay. Yeah, which is another corporate company. That's who mm -hmm. owns it now. Okay. Yeah, and they've been good. I've never had any problem with, you know, <clears throat> with them. Since so 2006, um, or somewhere around there. Was that around 2006? I'm sorry? 2006, was that when SCI? Yeah, yes, I think so, yeah. Well, you're better than me, and I was there. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't there. You weren't there. <laughs> yeah. I think, though, with the name, like, just even from Lowen to Alderwood to SCI, the only thing that ever changed really was who was signing a paycheck. Yeah. So Arthur Funeral Home and Barton and Kiteley Funeral Home and the integrity of both places, the people and the services and what we provide never, and what we learn from Bill yeah. never changed. No, and they, well, they realized that, you know, it's a, it's a thriving company, so yeah. why make any changes, eh? Mm -hmm. And uh, so they, there's really, they haven't made a lot of changes. No, I mean, the nice thing is, is if we need something, we get something because we're good. Yeah. You know, and the yeah. additions. And, and being part of a big company it has its advantages, like there's, there's disadvantages, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in town, like our competitors like to tell everybody that we're corporate. Eh? Corporate, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's corporate, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. You know, Sullivan's is corporate. You know, Northwood's corporate. Well, it's hard in this day and age. Yeah. So, uh, but they were—they've been good. They've—they've uh, they've never interfered, particularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And I also hear that uh, you do a lot of work with the community. Yes. And so now is that sort of um, more of you wanting to sort of get involved and like help out the community? Yeah. It's, well, a couple of reasons. One, one is I like to do it, and uh, secondly, it's good for business. Yes. You know, <laughs> like I've been in. I've been. Well, I have. I just left Rotary, but I was in. Rotary 47 years, eh? mm -hmm. and uh, it was really <coughs> not a job, because eh? yeah. you like doing what you did, but not just me, like, these guys are all involved in the community, mm -hmm. and uh, you, can't, you can't say that about every funeral, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, it's a huge... Uh, uh, plus, for the funeral home to get involved, yes, you know, and community-wise, they like it because it's uh, a known entity, you know. So it adds to what they're doing, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, I don't. Uh, it's nice for families too. When when you've been involved in the community, you meet people, you build rapport, and then. When, when someone in their family passes away, they're gonna they want to go to someone that they know because yeah. there's comfort in that familiarity. So they're they're 
they're already comfortable coming in to, to see us, and so it just makes things easier for, for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I think to see us in a different light, not like this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. when you go to your Lions Club and you put on all of those events, when I'm at the rink or doing something else, like it's, you're not wearing this suit and you're, you're, you're a normal person. Mm -hmm. Right, so people can, like Zach said, relate to you. And I know I've I had always been been taught by my parents, like you only get back what you give mm -hmm. in the community. And if no, you don't give to your community, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it has really nothing to do with like the work. Like just we don't do it because we're expected to mm -hmm. at the funeral home. It's just because that's what we should do. Yes. So. And the funeral homes, both funeral homes have always been involved in the community. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so it uh, just an extension of, you know, what we've always done mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. Yeah. You yeah. know, it gets you out of, you know, like you were saying, it gets you out of your suit. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and plus it's uh, actually helpful for the community. Mm -hmm. And I think it would also help people sort of separate, um, like sort of funeral directors from sort yeah. of funerals and death yeah. mm -hmm. and things like that, that grief, so that mm -hmm. they can see you in another light and maybe as something maybe not so intimidating or scary. Yeah, exactly. yeah like Bon yeah. Sue's No Madness and Sue Sings. Yes. You know, yeah. let's be. So, or, or like, you know, the expectations, you're on the island for community night, yeah. right? If you're just... Mm -hmm. You're there with your kids or your family and you're eating the pie and doing all those things and yeah, they're and all your friends. Yeah, it's, it's always, I've always had a, a interest in, in keeping the Barton and Kitely name on the island. Yes. Like that's where it originated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to keep that connection there. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can do it is getting involved in yeah what they do. Mm -hmm. And they appreciate it. Eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right, they don't they don't look at you as a funeral director, then they look at you just as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then we also have maybe some a little bit more general questions. So um, do you know much about like the history of the funeral home sort of um, just maybe in general, or like before you moved to the two, so before the 60s, what funeral homes used to be like? Yeah, well, uh, we gave you a history, yeah. eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't verbatim go. <laughs> no, I was just wondering if you had any other added little things. If not, no worries. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um... So how many funeral homes were in operation when you arrived? When I, yeah. In 1964, there was mm -hmm. Arthur's, O'Sullivan's, and Barton's. Okay. And then... Then there, a few years later, a fellow by the name of Kara Cattle started okay. the funeral, mm -hmm. <coughs> but he wasn't there very long. Okay. So, um, and uh, when Arthur's... When Dennis O'Sullivan started the funeral home, mm -hmm. like he, he was Catholic, so yeah. he 
pretty well took all the Catholic business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I used to say when, <coughs> when I came to the Sioux, if you were a Protestant and lived in the country, you called Mr. Barton. Mm -hmm. If you were a Protestant and lived in the city, you called Mr. Arthur. And if you were a Catholic and lived anywhere, you called Dennis and Solomon. <laughs> It's the way it was. Yeah. Now that's changed now. Like mm -hmm. we, we do a, a large uh, Catholic business now. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stemmed from when Chuck McLeod owned the business because okay. he was Catholic. And it was odd, eh? Because all the years Ch Chuck worked for Jim Arthur for 40 years, mm -hmm. hardly did any Catholic business. Okay. And then when he bought it, then all the Catholic business started coming there. Yeah. Because of his connection, eh? Mm -hmm. And I, I always thought it was funny because he was always Catholic, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, why they didn't call him call him when he worked for Jim Arthur? Yeah. But Jim was considered Protestant, eh? Mm -hmm. And back in those days, there was a fine line, eh? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When when did Langstaff funeral home close? When did they close? Yeah. I just read. Was that in the history? Well, that's right. There was a Langstaff, you know. Yeah, right. after Simpson. Simpson, T. Simpson had it, then he yeah. gave it, then Langstaff. That was on Elgin Street. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they yeah. forgot about that. And yeah. then, um, and then he, then he, then, because uh, I just read that this morning, <laughs> then Langstaff uh, sold it to Brian Harris. That was probably like, um, maybe in the 50s or so, like before you came here? No, after I came. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a copy of that letter. You want to take a photocopy copy of it? Sure, of it's, course. It, yeah. Because that gives you all that history right right from the get-go of places that are even here in the Mahons, yeah. the furniture stores, yeah. and, the, and, the, and the names of the, and the transfers as who, who mm -hmm. went what, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Langstaff had a good business, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think they were one of the sort of first ones, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think they, they opened in the year a little after Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, T.E. Simpson. Do you know, it were 85 years? Yeah, this year. This, in, this October? Yeah. Yeah, at Arthur's, 85 years. Yeah? Yeah. I just happened. I read that this morning too. Okay. <laughs> I know anything after eighty is bonus. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I was looking at the the dates. Yeah, so. nineteen thirty-eight. Yeah, so crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I want to address that. There was a question there, and you better than anybody. When you bought Arthur's, we kept the businesses separate. Yeah. For quite a while, yeah. because I, yeah. because I worked with you at Barton and Kitely. Yeah. And there was a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, that well, was intentional. And uh, and it's funny with the transition. There's really never been any issue with the transition, even when we closed Barton and Kitely. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, you know, some of the Island people might not like that. Yeah. But. Didn't make a bit of difference. They've been mm -hmm. so loyal. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, like I remember, we had my grandfather's funeral at 
Bartman Kitely, and then it wasn't long after that that it uh, closed. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember it was sort of right across the street from uh, St. Luke's. Yes. That's right. Yeah. 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 2017, 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think at the beginning, um, there was such that, like you said, there was the Protestant country, the Protestant city, and the Catholics, and you wanted to keep it. That's a big transition, then, right? Yeah. And with reputations being what they were, so you don't superimpose the staff between the two. You keep the people that everyone's used to seeing yeah. there till. And there was, and there was a sort of situation where, if you knew Debbie Jo and she worked at Arthur's. Mm-hmm. But you wanted the funeral of Barton and Kiley, Debbie just come over to Barton and Kiley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it but initially out. it was like, let's just keep things. Yeah. And then and then it just became, yeah. Well, I learned just, early yeah. on that you don't uh, change things. Yeah. You know, you can subtly change them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I remember saying to... Uh, to Brian Harris once, because he was complaining about, you know, business, and I said, well, you never want to talk about change mm-hmm. in Sault Ste. Marie. People no. don't like, they don't like change. No. <laughs> <clears throat> Doesn't mean you can't change things. You just have to do it slowly and quietly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that, but he was, you know, I'm going to change everything, and you know. Because he was from Toronto, so I thought, yes. oh, oh, Toronto. Well, you know, I was in Wellington. Toronto. I was in Toronto, too. Yeah. But you learned the ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so, had, was there any other sort of funeral homes, like, popping up, or was it sort of always those normal ones? Yeah. And then, a little while after, Northwood sort of came yeah. into the mix. Yeah. Northwood and then uh, Caracato, <clears throat> but he didn't, he didn't last very long. And, uh, you know, and, and competition's good. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with competition. Yeah. You know? And we all get, I would, I would say we all get along. Yeah, I yeah. think we've got good, good relationships with yeah. others. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know, why not? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, it's for everybody's benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you feel funeral directors and funeral homes have sort of changed throughout the years? How they changed? Yeah. So, like, maybe have your duties changed or things like that, or or just. Well, the big the big change is in the last four or five years is uh, uh, getting away from visitations and, okay. and uh, like evening visitations. Yeah. Like back when I started, <clears throat> there was no question. If somebody died, you had a visitation at night and the next day the funeral. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's changed. I'm not so sure why. Maybe but, partly because of COVID, people just started doing that? Or? Well, yeah, I think COVID probably yeah. is part of it, but, uh, you know, it just, 
even before COVID, it was trending that way. Yeah. It, it kind of accelerated things probably, COVID, but it was already happening before. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I, I kind of think it's going back to, like there's more people having funerals now than there used to be. Yeah, it's kind of swinging back <coughs> yeah. in the other direction. Not so much for the evening visitations, mm -hmm. but for, because there was a while when nobody was COVID, eh? nobody wanted a funeral. Well, you yeah. couldn't have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that kind of screwed things up. Yes. And then you get, you think, oh, well, maybe that's the way we should go, mm -hmm. you know, which I think, uh, like I've spent my whole life telling people they need to have a funeral mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And now, is it sort of changing to where more people are maybe having a celebration of life? instead of having a funeral? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I think that's just terminology, eh? Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, they, they say, well, it's a celebration of life. <coughs> well, a funeral's a celebration of life. Well, I think they're calling it a celebration life because it's sort of supposed to be that mix of between the visitation and the funeral. So yeah. it's not as formal mm -hmm. yeah. and it's not maybe like the religious connotations you might have with a funeral and it's only one event rather than the two and things like yeah. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. And religion has a lot to do with it, eh? Mm -hmm. And there's not as many people going to church mm -hmm. or have a church connection. Yeah. Uh, it used to be if somebody died, you you know, just automatically have a have a funeral, eh? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was in the history that you provided. Um, it was saying um, Mr. Barton was going around to try to figure out where to. Um, set up his business, and a lot of people were saying it's actually good to set it up near churches. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why he bought the mm -hmm. Brock Street. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. had the key to St. Luke's. Oh yeah, Zion Lutheran, um, Westminster, Westminster, the Gospel Hall. Yeah. <laughs> we actually had the keys to these churches that they yeah. would say, okay, we're going to go ahead of time and set up, and, and that would be, you know, if they want to be there at 8 or 9 o'clock and they didn't want to be there till 10, that was fine, and that was that trust, mm -hmm. trust thing that, that you had. Yeah. Another thing, have, do you feel it's shifted between people wanting um, more so like the traditional burial versus um, sort of a, a cremation, maybe like going into like things like the columbarium and things like that? Yeah. Has that sort of changed? Well, cremation is uh, what are 70 some percent now? Yeah, around 80%. 80%? Yeah. When I started, it was the opposite. Yeah. It was less than that. When I came less to the Sioux in 64, we'd have one cremation a year. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I think they were no, part of that was because you had to go to Toronto to do okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, cremation has sort of taken over. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't change, like in my mind, that doesn't change what you do at the funeral. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's exactly what I was going to say yeah. because that's exactly what you taught me. Yeah. It's just another method of disposition. It doesn't mean yeah. you can't do everything. Yeah. It's just what are we doing after? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so and quite often yeah. now, people with cremation will uh, select a casket mm -hmm. to view the person in, mm -hmm. and then then do the cremation after. Yeah, and uh, and that's fine. You mm -hmm. know. 
because I, I sort of noticed too with like St. Luke's with the columbarium, like just so many people are switching and going over to um, like going into the columbarium. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very nice too. Yes. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. yeah. the city has columbariums as well. Yeah. At the Greenwood and Holy Sepulchre, which are a lot more popular now than mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back to what Bill said about, um, we were talking about um, like the value of a funeral, like in your, how it's changing and the, the celebration of life. The yes. fact of the matter is, is that no matter, and I remember him telling me right off the bat, if you don't offer people mm -hmm. or give them the choices, it, they're only, they're only going to know that from you, the funeral director. Yeah. And if you have to, and I've always had to say, okay, I know this is your choice, but I have to tell you based on my experience. Mm -hmm. And Bill has said, do you want to say, if, by not having any way for the public to share with mm -hmm. you, do you want if in the next year having to people come up to you in the grocery store, the mall, saying two months later, oh, I'm so sorry, I just heard about mom. Oh, I'm so sorry, where you have gotten so far in maybe in your grief journey, mm -hmm. and then it just keeps on coming up yeah. and up and up. Well, and that allow that sort of one time everybody gets to, because I'm not going to drop by your house if you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. I know you, but not well enough to drop by. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like, too, sometimes with the number of funerals I've been to, sometimes it almost, like the death doesn't really feel real until you're at the funeral. Yeah. Like you, it, you kind of come to terms with it more and it kind of sort of sets in and it feels real and then that's sort of when you can start moving on in the grief process because before it's easy to sort of maybe hide from things because you're not dealing with mm -hmm. the loss in yeah. the same way with the reality of having a funeral or a celebration of yeah. life. And yeah. we've, we've found that too. We've, we've offered people the chance to, to if they've done nothing that's say just cremated and offered them the opportunity to have a private family moment even just to say goodbye to that person, not in the hospital bed, but in a much more comforting setting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you don't offer it, you know, and then that in turn turns up to the next time there's something, now we want, we want more. We know we need more. Yeah, yeah and I think, uh Funeral director is in a unique position to to explain that to people. Mm -hmm. in, who else is going to explain that to them? Yeah. The value of you know getting together and sharing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Clergy is not going to do it. Yes. You know, nurse is not going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I've always said you know you, we have to make sure that the people, if, you know. You, you have to. You have to understand if, if that's what they're going to do. They're going to do, okay, mm -hmm. and nothing you can do about that. But if you don't sort of push them, mm -hmm. and I, I don't mean that in a pushy way, but yeah. uh, explain but, to them the yeah. value. Mm -hmm. well, so like for instance, you know, you, you, so you go downtown next week, and what are you going to do? You know, people are either going to ignore you, walk across the street so they don't have to deal with you. Mm -hmm. So isn't it best to get that done right away? Yes. You know, but 
you know, nobody else is going to tell you that other than the funeral director. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we wouldn't be doing your job if we didn't. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, certain elements of funeral services have changed. Like maybe not so much the religious component, but mm -hmm. the th certain things stay the same. Gathering together, people come together as family and friends, sharing stories, supporting each other, that, that remains constant. That's, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, um, so how did you, like, like when did sort of, uh, women start entering like the profession like I guess more so like here in the Sioux and um, Like were their roles sort of the same as men like were they like allowed to do sort of the same tasks as a, a male funeral director? Well, Lila maybe was the first woman I guess funeral director right? mm -hmm. <clears throat> I can't really use her as an example because <laughs> she wasn't allowed to do okay. Yeah, she was hired at our Chuck would have hired her, right? Yeah. Jim Arthur was gone, so Chuck McLeod hired her, and she didn't do the role of her license. Like she, she did things that uh, not even office really, because yeah. she didn't have office. She would pick up the donations and deliver donations and then do mm -hmm. the statements. I don't even know if she drove. They didn't have a limo then, did they? No. I don't think she was even on and a funeral. She very seldom ran a funeral. Like no, she never was. I can't remember. On a, never arranged. No. Never made in a funeral arrangement. Never did no. in a momming. Um, and it was just, funny because she was uh, very outgoing, eh? Mm -hmm. And uh, she <laughs> <laughs> would drive you nuts some days, eh? Because yeah. uh, you're trying to get stuff done and she's, you know. So, so she was the first license here, mm -hmm. and she was nev never allowed to use that yeah. in the era. Um, and sort of until the 70s? I guess, maybe, yeah. I'm not sure because I wasn't. Yeah, I but so. when Bill bought Arthur's, mm -hmm. And she started giving her a, a little more. It was like if you're a licensed yeah. funeral director, yeah. you're gonna, you're, we're gonna use you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she started to do arrangements. Yeah. Then mm -hmm. she never ever went. She never well, we have a lot of ladies on staff mm -hmm. now, like yeah. probably half, eh? Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. think, eh? And they yeah. just do everything. Yeah. 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 So she, uh, yeah, she was at least did arrangements and drove the limo and yeah. that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, you, you would have been the first. I know, yeah yes because did everything because then um, shortly the year after you bought the business in eighty four yeah eighty four yeah mm -hmm. the year after I had expressed an interest like there are more women graduate from Humber College now than men okay yeah mm -hmm. <clears throat> a lot a lot not in mine when I was I was yeah. still a minority when mm -hmm. I graduated yeah but. Um, yeah, so then I was, when I was hired, um, the expectation, there was no, I mean, it was, this is, I knew what I was supposed to do, yeah. and they certainly let me, and there was no, no there was no special treatment, no, <laughs> and I wouldn't have wanted it, I was like no. 25, mm -hmm. 26 years old, 
So, and there was absolutely, and there was no, um, there was no discrimination. There was no, um, I worked with an amazing group of men because, yeah, because that's, that's, that's all there was. Um, and there was, I was treated as an equal and uh, respect and I knew no no different where I know that in at that time I'm sure in other professions there would have been people really having to fight and no it was it was nothing and I worked with everybody was so much older yeah. George Innes was there and you know you had they were all 25 years 30 years <laughs> older than me so it was absolutely um, the best environment ever. And uh, another change at, uh, at Humber College, uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot more second career people now. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> like back when I was mm -hmm. at school, mm -hmm. we were all 18, eh? Yeah. Except one, one woman is old enough to be her mother. <laughs> oh, that would have been me when I was yeah. in school. <laughs> But now there's a lot of second career people, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, a lot more women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's as a matter of fact, it's hard to get a <laughs> ask you. Eh? It's hard to find a man. Yeah, like a, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. There's but there's simply not as many men that are going into it. There's something to be said for life experience too yeah. when you do have that person that's in the second career yeah. that, mm -hmm. that is certainly relatable to the people that come through our, our doors. Yeah. I, I had classmates who were in their 50s, 60s going, yeah. making a career change at yeah. that point in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, but I see there the other part, but when I did start and mm -hmm. I, I worked strictly f with Bill and for Bill at Barman mm -hmm. Kitely. And even though the company was the two mm -hmm. were, were together, and I did have a there was a, diff, a little bit difficult time um, that I was a woman, not from my employers, but some of the people that it was a woman, and I was fairly really young because I was yeah. about twenty six, mm -hmm. so that wasn't. That was like, not the standard. Like from the client? Yes, yeah. yes. And, but basically, it, it was like, um, in fact, my business card had Mrs. in front of it yes. because that made, I, I felt it made it more formal. Yes. I looked I look back at that. Yes, well, she's a married lady, so. It's a little bit better if you're married. If you're unmarried, it's like, oh, dear. So I felt yeah. that that maybe gave me a little more, uh, I don't know, but, but it didn't take long, especially with um, working with Bill and that, like, no, like, there's no reason for you. I don't need, you don't need me. This is sort of like funeral director and you're, you know, this is who you're sitting with. But I, I was so I was maybe more I was always sort of worried about about that that I needed to be, you know. Hopefully, it's because it was pretty, it was pretty young for for the. Well, such a male-dominated business eh? mm -hmm. for years, eh? And so, such tradition on the island too. Yeah. You know, like there's not a lot of change. You went from Leonard to Bill. Yeah. 
so it, it was like, okay, how do we do this? And but complete one hundred ten percent support. So mm -hmm. and then it was nothing after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, um, was the term funeral director always used, or were like the other terms like undertaker or mortician more commonly used back in the day? No, I, th I think funeral directors predominantly the word people use for mm -hmm. what we do. Mm -hmm. Every now and then you hear a mortician. Which yeah, I, I think that's more of an American I think it's term. an American yeah, term. Yeah. Mortician is American and Undertaker is um, British. But I was yes. just wondering if back in the day they still sort of used uh, those terms that maybe when you started was no, a funeral director. I was director. always a funeral director. Yeah. I never no, was a funeral director, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. so that's more of a Canadian thing, I guess, yeah. say. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> But you started out at the Canadian, you were the Canadian School of Embalming, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's the two different... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then we went to Humber. And then also maybe just a general thing for anyone to know, uh, what does a funeral director do? What does a funeral director do? Yes, just so, just if you're um, answering the public for, um, just answering the question to the general public, just if they want to know what, what does a funeral director do? funeral director does all kinds of things. <laughs> um, the main duties of a funeral director are to meet with the family, mm -hmm. to plan the services, uh, embalming, uh, depending on the license, there are different types of license, but a full, fully licensed funeral director is trained to embalm. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course directing funerals. Um, but we do all kinds of other things as well, like <laughs> building maintenance, cleaning. Wash um, cars. Washing cars, we do a lot of that. <laughs> uh, bringing, when someone passes away, we go to the place of death and bring mm -hmm. the deceased into our care. Uh, all hours of the day and night. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of um, administration behind the scenes uh, that uh, most people wouldn't, wouldn't be aware of. It mm -hmm. goes into planning a, a, a funeral because it's, yeah. what is it, a, there's a certain number of hours that goes into, is it a uh, hundred and some or over, like over that? Over that, uh, even though you're doing it in like two or three days, mm -hmm. yeah. the actual, if you broke down each task, mm -hmm. it's way over mm -hmm. like 180 hours or something in that by the time you actually do what you have to do yep. to pull it together. Yeah. And, and in a town like this, you're never not a funeral director. Yes. Everybody, everybody knows you're a funeral director, and so you're you're always representing you know, yeah. your profession and, and the funeral home and so forth. I would yeah, say always we always we always have to be on <laughs> because yeah because you have I've always felt there's a reputation to uphold. There's mm -hmm. Bill's reputation, there's Leonard's reputation, there's Jim Arthur's reputation. Mm -hmm. And these businesses didn't didn't last seventy and eighty five years, you know, for no reason. And we wanna continue that and uh, to so mm -hmm. yeah, you have to be yeah, and in fairness to the families we serve, they have a certain expectation of what mm -hmm. they expect uh, a funeral director to be, and it's our responsibility to uphold that. Mm -hmm. 
right down to attire. Yes. You know, there's something about when you walk in the building, you know, you can sort of identify who it is that you, you know, that you would want to go to. And um, not to say that we haven't put hockey jerseys on or whatever, or plaid shirts or whatever family would like. But mm -hmm. for the most part, we want to dress respectfully too. Mm -hmm. um, and and then you, you know who you're, sort of who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also maybe what's the embalming process? We had a few questions from staff about that. Okay. Wondering about it. <laughs> the actual proper term is preservation or disinfection, preservation and restoration of a dead human body. That's the actual, if I had to write it on my embalming test, that's what it would be. So you want to make sure that, um, uh, that you um, treat the, the body. Um, and if you don't, uh, you end up with decay, moisture, bacteria, decay. So mm -hmm. embalming is a very simple process of replacing um, the body's uh, fluids through mm -hmm. the arterial system yes. with chemicals that uh, are appropriate for, and that's why you go to school, mm -hmm. to make those right choices. And so it's a simple, it's a simple process, but it is a, something that's, mm -hmm. um, and basically you just use the, uh, the art, our arterial system. Yes. It's like putting it in, in a, an IV, and, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then from there, dressing, cosmetizing, casket, hair, mm -hmm. uh, cosmetics. Um, yeah. Another question, I sort of um, was hearing some things recently about how um, maybe in some other countries where uh, maybe their um, sort of embalming standards are, are not up to the same as ours, um, they can have sometimes leaching of the embalming fluids into the earth and contaminating it and then contaminating the water table. Has, has there been any talk of stuff like that where um, maybe, like, is it, is it as much of a concern here sort of in Canada or like with using those chemicals do as yeah. environmentally? Mm -hmm. The amount of formaldehyde that actually is in the body after a, um, an embalming is very low. Okay. And because of the chemical nature of formaldehyde, it prefers to be a gas. Okay. So for it to be able to leak into the water table it really isn't very likely here. No, and actually I'm not sure, like, yeah, really anywhere what they would be using that that would be a problem. Yeah. But um, even to the fact that uh, a number of years ago they thought that everybody should have, every funeral home should have a holding tank okay. to hold all of the fluids. And um, it came once they got looking at it. There are more, there's more harmful bacteria in what you flush down your toilet mm -hmm. than there is in what we use, uh, what we put down the drain. Mm -hmm. And there was absolutely, there was no, no treatment required. There's, so. there's formaldehyde in, in things you wouldn't even consider, like new carpet. Yeah. New car, that's what, that's what new car smells, is, is formaldehyde. There's more formaldehyde in your car than in... You know, someone that we've we've yeah. for bread. Yeah. Bread. Preserved, you right? know how you put you know yeah. the science projects, right? The yeah. bread doesn't doesn't mold. <laughs> There's yeah. a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, there is believe me, 
um, they're all over mystery uh, uh, environment and our that's all if, if there was a problem it would be taken yeah taken care of and, and we'd actually do we don't have to but we have uh, our waste is picked up um, rather than garbage in, in the garbage the garbage is uh, is picked up we pay to have it picked up and uh, sent to Montreal or wherever they do it yeah because sometimes I hear things also people wanting to um, go into new ways of maybe being cryo freezing or there's the new one where you get put into sort of like a seed pod and you become free <laughs> there's all these sorts of different things too and so it's sort of I was wondering if that was like a thing too of people moving away from like the embalming process and going for these there's yeah there's things. been talk of green options but mm -hmm. we, we haven't really seen a lot of demand here yeah. at least in Sault Ste. Marie Every now and then, people will kind of ask what, what their options are, but yeah, and we do have some green options. If we have a, a casket that's all, all natural materials mm -hmm. um, and urns that are biodegradable, but uh, as of uh, yet, there hasn't been a lot of demand for total totally green mm -hmm. you know, services. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you know, those changes are probably coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also to you, Mr. Kitely, uh, what are you most proud of uh, in your career as a funeral director and an owner of a funeral home? That's a good question. <clears throat> I think I'm most proud of the fact that I've been able to help a lot of people at mm. their worst time in their life. Yeah. And, uh, and being able to change people's attitudes mm -hmm. about death. And uh, we used to do, I don't do it anymore, but I used to do a lot of uh, school mm -hmm. presentations yeah. with kids, which was really interesting, because mm -hmm. there's where you get your real questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd have to say that I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, not just me, but our group, eh? Yeah. Because yeah. mm -hmm. you can't do it alone. No. No. And, and we've always had a good team at uh, the funeral home, uh, which is uh, I'm, I'm proud of also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've, uh, we've had great staff over the years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's anything maybe that you're least proud of or anything like that. I don't think there would be that, but... Or anything that you would change, maybe we could say. I wouldn't change a thing. No. Uh, really, uh, looking back at my career, mm -hmm. uh, I've been most fortunate. And I've been put in a position, <coughs> you know, not because of who I am, but because of where I was. Yep. And uh, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a great uh, satisfaction in knowing that you can take a family from here to here. Mm -hmm. 
you know. And uh, not everybody has that opportunity. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure that when you're doing it, you do it right. Yeah. I think that's all I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have a trick for being able to keep a business running for so long? A trick? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was lucky. I, uh, like Leonard started me off. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't have been for him taking a mortgage, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be here. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'd be, but. <laughs> <laughs> Here, but yeah, I have. Uh, you know, uh, like I've always, I've always said that I'm not a good businessman. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a good funeral director, but uh, business, like I never, I never, when I owned the business, I was never concerned about money. Okay. Because I always figured. The money would be there one way or the other, and it, and it always was. Mm -hmm. So I was fortunate that way. I never had any problems uh, uh, in business. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've been very lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, fortunate, really. Yeah. Not everybody can say that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's not really any tricks. It's just a lot of hard work and commitment. Well, yeah, tr yeah. It's, it's <laughs> it takes a lot of takes a lot of hard work. I remember one, <clears throat> maybe five or six years ago, one of our staff, uh, a young girl, said to me, uh, "Oh, geez, I've uh, I've been I'm working on my third night, and it's killing me." You know, and I said, "Well." Come back to me when you've worked three years every night, every day, and I probably won't feel sorry for you. <laughs> you know, but it's hard work. There's, mm -hmm. there's no, you're on call 24 hours a day, yeah. and even uh, you know, like Zach, who's their general manager, it, like it, it never leaves them because. Mm -hmm. It's just a constant thing, eh? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But it's very uh, gratifying work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not work that everybody wants to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've got three children, two, one who's a funeral director, and uh, the other two want nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe a question more for you too. How do you feel that sort of things changed with COVID? Do you feel like it sort of shifted a lot during COVID having to, because you were sort of in a way like frontline workers. You had to sort of be there, be working um, through the front lines as well. So how did you feel like that was and do you feel like, like things have changed since then? Yeah, I would say before things really hit in Canada and Ontario, mm -hmm. personally, I felt a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. about what's going to happen when this when this comes to Susan and Marie. Um, so there's a lot of sleepless nights worrying about 
of what could happen. It was never as bad as what we thought it could have been. Yeah. Um, but it was also difficult at the same time because our, our whole careers, like Bill said, we, we promote the value in having a funeral and gathering and in large numbers mm -hmm. of people and, and in one space. And we go from that to saying, you can't do that. Yeah. You, know, you can have 10, ten people. people. Mm -hmm. And um, we, would, we would go, like, like, we look at it, I remember looking at myself and saying, if my husband died, 10 people, like, so my kids and their spouses, like, and what, one parent could, like, yeah. like how do yeah. you do that? And we had to be firm, yeah. because you couldn't say, can someone would say, well, they let 12 of us in. Like, you couldn't do that, mm -hmm. eh? Like, it was, it was so, I think on the other side of that, though, that gave people um, certainly a, an eye-opener and that when they didn't have the choice, mm -hmm. that when things opened up, it was, okay, yeah, we, we want to do this mm -hmm. now. Yeah. It just made it like you don't have a choice. Yeah. And, uh, but I, got, I have to admit that, you're right, well, things were bad elsewhere. We really hadn't had our first... It was months and months and months yeah, before wave, we had a we, we COVID. Were almost unaffected. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the second wave that we were more. And anything that did cross our doors was some, was where other hospitals outside of our area mm -hmm. had no room, and people were flew, were flown in here, mm -hmm. because there was beds. There was nobody in our community at all, mm -hmm. and it was the unknown, I guess, because the last people that they figure out, well, what do you do now that the person's deceased, mm -hmm. is us. We never get whatever, there was SARS or whatever. They'll figure out how to deal with the sickness and how to prevent, you know, the preventative measures for their, for their caregivers, but mm -hmm. not how that affects the person after they're gone. Yes. Are these things, is, is the body still the host, is it? Yeah. So we were always... Like, we never had really a lot of current, so we protected ourselves, mm -hmm. and, um, and we flipped into, we split our staff in mm -hmm. half, mm -hmm. and we worked 12s and 13, yeah. 13 hour shifts, so that, uh, like, what, four on and four off, right? Yeah. Split the staff in half, so we had people that were steady days with weekends off, we had, and it was, we just split and, so and if, for months, if, you know, one, one group got affected and got sick and couldn't work. Yeah. There was still the second group to be able to serve the community, mm -hmm. right? Because yes. people still need to be taken care of. Yeah. So yeah. that was a huge, like, for some people, uh, like family in the transitional change. Mm -hmm. so you're only working with half your coworkers, and mm -hmm. your family life is certainly upside down. But if it meant still serving our community and not closing our doors, mm -hmm. that's what we were going to do, because yeah, that's a, what we're, that's because of what we do. It was a lot of major change in a short period of time, and, and with the restrictions and everything changing constantly, yeah. it was, it was like impossible to keep up with, but we did it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I would say, for, for a lot of staff, it was traumatizing. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was, mm -hmm. and I'm, it's, 
I think I'm just past that point. <laughs> but it did, it did. It was very, very difficult for a lot of. I think because we I'd already been through. We'd been through. We'd been through AIDS. Mm -hmm. That was the first big unknown when I first started. And we went through. We went through SARS again. These huge unknowns. So, mm -hmm. to me, it was I've got all the equipment. I've, uh, we'll get through this one too. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, quite the. And all through it, we we had to respect the government's directives and, and uphold them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we tried to focus on what what can we do, what yeah. can we still do. Mm -hmm. So we we promoted things like uh, technology to bring in people that couldn't actually attend in person, mm -hmm. webcasting and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. We are packaged lunches, yes. like you couldn't have, right? You couldn't have mm -hmm. food open, and that started then, okay, what can we have boxed lunches? So people would go away when there was more numbers. They just, they'd pick up their little lunch and go. And it, that was yeah. a, like, okay. Food's a big part of a, a funeral, is yeah. a gathering. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We did drive-through drive visitations yeah. where the family was in the chapel and mm -hmm. we have a garage attached to the chapel, yeah. so they were they were inside the building, and people would drive through in their cars and they'd stay in their car and just kind of, you know, visit. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's amazing, hey, what we could, and I think that's why we've lasted so long, like why yeah. we've got this, because we're not willing to just say, okay, well, the doors are closed, mm -hmm. or we're not, you know, we're going to, we're going to serve our families the best way we know how. Yeah, we try to stay ahead and be progressive and creative and mm -hmm. make things work mm -hmm. as we can. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the different um, crises that we had in the Sioux, was there a lot of sort of, um, like with the AIDS crisis here or with the SARS crisis, was there, um, was that sort of big here in the Sioux? H <laughs> <laughs> um, H HIV, m not so much. Um, at uh, more, and SARS was was big. The hospital was closed mm -hmm. down. Um, it was uh, it was a sign in, sign out. There was one way in, one one way out. Um, it was and it was it was as bad here as everywhere. Mm -hmm. When AIDS first started, there wasn't a lot, a lot known about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but uh, you couldn't refuse to prepare mm -hmm. the body. Yeah. That was just that wasn't an option. There's mm -hmm. at all, and so you had to be prepared. And, and we didn't have again. We're a smaller community, so um, a lot of that SARS. Yes, that was was pretty big. Um, I'd be more afraid of now, like of when all these things that have names to them aren't as half as scary as the unknown. Mm -hmm. Is really what you don't know. Yeah, know, yeah, it is that is that you don't know necessarily, and there's the preventative measures for you to to do. So, so um, I and it's funny. I think nothing of of if a body has HIV, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just nothing. Yeah. You know, 
25 years ago, 30 years ago, yes. that was a scary thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and it, it's just as things evolve. But um, you, do what, you do what you do best. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, we signed up to do what we do. It's, yeah. It's and beauty, right? Yeah. Just make, mm -hmm. make it work. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, do you have anything else you would like to add? No, I don't no. think so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for doing the interview with me and for coming in and talking with us. Yes. Sure. Mm -hmm. No problem. Thanks for coming. Mm -hmm.